good morning, 9 a.m. You guys awake this morning? Hey, I just want to take a second and welcome all of our family that is watching online this morning. Can we give it up for them too? We love you guys. We're so excited that you guys have joined with us this morning. Man, we are like in summer already. It's like it went from like 70s, 60s to like 95 real quick. I mean, it's crazy, but I'm thankful I live in Florida. So, so TJ is actually away in Boston this weekend speaking at another church. It was actually snowing there a day ago. So he's like, uh, I'd like to come back to Florida now. He, he doesn't like the cold weather, but he's speaking at another church there, encouraging their congregation. And then on Tuesday, you can be praying for him. He's actually um, preaching at a conference, sharing with some pastors and other ministry leaders to be able to encourage them and motivate them. And so what I, what I love about our church and what I love about you guys and your generosity is that when we give here and we invest in what God's doing here at Coastal, it doesn't just impact our congregation here, but we're so invested in church planting and investing in, in leaders and all of those different things that we're planting churches through your generosity here locally, throughout the United States, actually throughout the world. And so I just wanna thank you guys for allowing us to make an impact through your generosity. Well, for those of you guys that don't know me, my name is Shayla. I'm actually Pastor TJ's wife, and I get to continue our series this week called Issues. Because the reality is we all have issues in life. We all have something that we face on a daily, a weekly, a monthly, a yearly basis, things that plague our life every single day. And if we don't learn how to deal with those issues that are present in our life, man, it is going to continue to derail us distract us, we're gonna be depressed, all of these different things that, that those issues begin to play out in our life. And my goal for you today, or my goal in this message today is, is more to create awareness of this issue being present in your life because I think it's something that we all deal with. And this isn't a message where it's like, okay, I'm gonna give you step one, step two, step three on how to, how to overcome this issue. It's more that you can be aware when this issue presents itself in your life and you can go, okay, I need to get this under control in this space. And the issue that I wanna talk to you guys about today is the issue of comparison. Because the reality is, is we all deal with comparison. I don't care if you are a CEO of a business, that you're looking at what other businesses are doing or you're feeling less than or you're feeling better than or you know whatever it is, whether you're a CEO of a company or you're a child in elementary school. Whether you're a mom that's at home, whether you're a working mom and maybe you're feeling guilty for working. and she be, Like we all face these comparison issues in our life. And so I want to, I think the Bible has a lot to say about comparison, and we're actually going to start in 2 Corinthians, and it's Paul talking here, and he says this about comparison. He says, but they're only comparing themselves with each other, using themselves as a standard of measurement, and then he says, how ignorant. He's like, man, how, how crazy is it that we're looking around at each other and we're using each other as this standard of measurement, this standard of success, this standard of what we feel like we should live up to by looking to other people's lives. It's how ignorant. How come their kids about act better than my kids? How come he gets paid more than I get paid? How come she got engaged and I haven't yet? What's wrong with me? 
I mean, it seems like everything that he does is successful and I can't even get my business off the ground. Paul's saying, man, stop looking to other people as your measurement of success. How ignorant, how crazy is that, that we would compare ourselves using others as the standard of measurement. People come to Coastal all the time. I told you guys we are big into church planting and you know, TJ and I planted this church about 11 years ago, and God's done some amazing things over those course, that course of 11 years. And we get a lot of people that come in that are planting churches in this area, and they just want to come in and they want to learn or they want to sit down and talk to us. And can I just tell you something? We need the local church in our communities. We need more local church. Local churches are not competition to us. It's why we pray for local churches. Broward County is 97% unchurched. The number of churches that we had couldn't hold the number of people in Broward County. We need more churches. And so whatever we can do to invest in those pastors and those leaders that feel like God has called them to do something, we want to invest in that. So these pastors will come in and, and, and they're seeing us in our 11th year. And they come in and they're like, man, I want the coastal deal. They're like, y'all got a great deal on your land. You have a beautiful building. Like your church is growing like crazy. You have an incredible staff. Like, our staff really is the secret sauce behind this church. They are amazing. We could never do this without our staff. And they come in and they're like, we want the coastal deal. I said, here's the deal. You're walking in on chapter 11. You're reading chapter 11. You want the coastal deal? Go back and read chapter 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, eight, nine, because that's how long it took us to get here. And so we walk in and we're comparing our life to other people's lives where we don't know what chapter they're on. And we're going, man, how come I don't have that? And we're comparing ourselves amongst ourselves. And Paul's going, how ignorant. And here's what I know for certain. Comparison kills contentment. Comparison kills contentment. I mean, you think about how prevalent this is in our society today, especially with social media. You know, like we're, we're content with something, but then, you know, you start scrolling through social media without even knowing it. You begin to compare yourself and you're like, Wait, oh man, I, I think I want to look more like that. Or man, oh, that's a nice car. Uh, all of a sudden I had a nice car, but man, that's a nicer one. And now I'm not even content with what I have. Maybe you've, you've lost weight and you're on this journey to lose weight and then you go on Facebook and man, there's somebody else that lost more weight than you did in a quicker period of time and all of a sudden, you're discontent with what you've achieved. Because comparison kills contentment. I think especially with social media as we're scrolling through and we're seeing the perception of other people's lives, I think we fall in love with perception and we hate reality. Because we're scrolling and we think that's real and we think that's what we want. And it begins to make us feel less than because com comparison kills contentment. And the fastest way to devalue something special is to compare it with something else. Listen, you were, you were satisfied with your house until your friend got her Joanna Gaines house with the farmhouse sink and hashtag shiplap. I, hey, I had to be real careful when I said ship 
lap. Like, I had to practice that a few times, you know, like at home. Say, Shayla, say ship lap. I need to just quit saying it right now because I probably messed it up. But comparison begins to kill contentment. And the fastest way to devalue something special, something that is good, something that is valuable, is to begin to compare it with something else. You know, I started CrossFit about six, eight months ago or something like that. And when I started at my CrossFit gym, they were like, Shayla, you need to go download this app. Like, you can track your progress with it. It's really great. You can see how many days of the week you're showing up. Are you getting better? Are you improving on your, your, the weight that you're lifting and all of those different things? Like, you can track all of these things so that you can see how you're progressing and how you're getting better and all of these things. Well, so other people also go in and post their scores and do all of that and so that they can see their progress. The problem is I don't look at the app to see my progress. I look at the app to see what everybody else did. And where I fall in line with what everybody else did, usually it's at the bottom. So I was out to dinner with TJ the other night, and I was like, oh, all the classes are over. Let me just pop on and see where I fall. Uh, and he's like, are you serious? He's like, Sheila, do you know what that app doesn't tell you? How long they've been a CrossFitter? How old they are? How much they weigh? You know, all of those different things. It doesn't tell you all of those things. And when you're comparing yourself to that, man, you're always going to end up discontent instead of just looking at it and go, man, I showed up today. I gave my best today. I gave my all today. Because comparison kills contentment in our life. And I want to look at a passage of scripture today, one that's not only incredibly powerful, but also hilarious. So I want to look with you guys in the book of John. But before we get there, you know, th this, this scripture is talking about Peter and John. And Peter and John were two of Jesus' disciples, two of his disciples that were part of his inner circle. And Peter and John are constantly arguing about who is better. Like, they're constantly, who's going to sit next to Jesus today? Hey, Jesus, who, who's your favorite? Who's the best? Who, who's first? Who's last? And they're, like, constantly going back and forth and asking Jesus these things and trying to get closer to Jesus and trying to be on the inner circle, and they're constantly going back and forth. And I think sometimes we think the disciples were these holy people because, man, they were in Jesus' inner circle. But let me tell you, they had issues. And if God could use them, they can use you. He can use you. And so Peter and John, you know, they're bickering back and forth. And I, I actually, I think John was kind of annoying. He was like this guy that was super annoying. If I were Peter, I would probably be annoyed by John. John was a guy, and you'll see in his writing, he constantly referred to himself in the third person. That's annoying. If you are somebody that refers to yourself in the third person in conversation, stop it. Like, in Jesus' name, please stop. It is annoying. And so we're going to pick up this story, and, and we're going to read out of the book of John where he annoyingly refers to himself in the third person. And so here's, here's what's actually happening in this part of the story. So Mary has gone to the tomb, 
And Jesus has risen from the dead, and, and Mary is going to run back to tell the disciples. And for those of you that were here on Easter, and TJ's like, hey, listen, show up on another week. We're going to tell you new stories in the Bible. And you're like, you're still at the grave, Shayla. Just stay with me. Like, we're going we're gonna to move on from there. And so we pick up the story, and it says this. It says, she ran and found Simon Peter. Mary ran and found Simon Peter and the other disciple. This is John. He also has this habit of referring to himself as the one that Jesus loved. <laughs> Annoying again. The one that Jesus loved. She said, they have taken the Lord's body out of the tomb and we don't know where they've put him. Peter and the other disciples started out for the tomb and they were both running. Now he says they were both running. So Peter is like, Mary's come Jesus is risen from the tomb, and, and John's like, hey, Peter, line up. Line up. We're going to race. And I want you to, to watch how many times he basically tells you he won. Okay, they're both running, but the other disciple, John, outran Peter and reached the tomb first. Okay, let's keep going. He stooped and looked in and saw the linen wrappings there, but he didn't go in. He's like, then Simon Peter arrived. Basically, man, after I've been there and I've checked things out, then Peter got there because I was faster than him. He also noticed the linen wrappings lying there while the cloth that had covered Jesus' head was folded up and lying apart from the other wrappings. Then the disciple who had reached the tomb first also went in and he saw and believed. I mean, this is crazy. So... It's kind of like he shows up and they're like, man, Jesus is risen. And John's like, and I won the race. But their, their comparison doesn't even end there. That camaraderie doesn't even end there. We, when we move into to John chapter 21, it continues even more. And I'm going to tell you a little bit of this story and just paraphrase and give you a little bit of it so the disciples are actually now on, out on a boat, and they're fishing, and they're not catching any fish. Well, Jesus all of a sudden appears on the shore. And so John lets you know in his writing, if you were to go back and read it, John goes, hey, there's Jesus. And he basically lets you know, hey, I, I saw him first. I just want to let you know I saw him first. And then I could imagine right now John just rolling his eyes at what Peter does next. Because when John announces, hey, I see Jesus, Peter dives in the water and swims to the shore. Like, haha, you saw him first, but I'm going to get there first. I mean, these guys are like back and forth. It's just crazy to me. And then you continue on in the story, and I think this is where the meat of the story, and this is kind of where I want to camp out today. But Jesus begins to start talking to Peter. They're all sitting down at breakfast, and Jesus turns to Peter now, Peter is the one that has denied Jesus three times. I mean, you remember that part of the story where he's denied him over and over again. He's like, no, Lord, I'll never deny you. Then he denies him three times. Jesus locks eyes with him on the last denial. So now this is after Jesus has risen from the, the dead, and this is the interaction that he's had with Peter, and he's turning to Peter, and he says this. He says, Peter, do you love me? And Peter said, yes, yes, Lord, yes, I love you. And then Jesus goes, then feed my sheep. Okay, feed my sheep. What, you know, what does that mean? Then Jesus asks him again, Peter, do you love me? 
Peter, yes, yes, Lord, yes, I love you. Yes, I love you. And he goes, feed my sheep. And Jesus asked him a third time, I wonder how many times Peter denied Christ and how many times Jesus is asking him this. Peter, and he asked him in a, in a different way of love. He says, Peter, do you really love me? I mean, with everything in you, do you really love me? Peter says, yes, Lord, I love you. And he goes, then feed my sheep. Basically, Jesus is giving Peter this assignment saying, if you love me, then feed my sheep. Now, I want you to watch what happens immediately after Jesus tells Peter this. It says this, then Peter turned around and saw them, the disciple that Jesus loved. So in the middle of this conversation where Jesus is engaging with Peter and asking Peter, do you love me? Peter, at the end of this, turns around and goes, where's John? Where's John? Let me, let me look behind me. And Peter asks Jesus, what about him, Lord? God, I, I know what you're telling me, but what, what's his assignment? Is his assignment better than my assignment? What are you going to tell him? I know you're so focused on me right now, but what are you going to tell him? And Jesus replied, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is it to you? Like basically Jesus saying, what does it matter what I have for him? What does it matter the plan that I have for him? He said, as for you, follow me. As for you, follow me. He's saying, Peter, what is your assignment? It doesn't matter what John's assignment is. It doesn't matter what I have for him. What is your assignment? What have I asked you to do? I've asked you to feed my sheep and to follow me. Feed my sheep. Follow me. What is your assignment? Who have I made you to be? What have I given you? Stop looking over your shoulder. Stop looking around at the people around you. Stop going, man, well, what's your plan for my brother? What's your plan for my sister? Is it better than what you have for me? What about this business person? What about this? And he's going, man, what is your assignment? Who have I made you to be? In 1 Corinthians 7, 17 continues on even more and it says only let each person lead the life that the Lord has assigned to him to that which God has called him I think so many times because of comparison we begin to look around at everyone else trying to keep up with everyone else trying to measure our life with everyone else and I thought of a way Phil will you come up here for a second Everybody give it up for Phil. Yeah. Phil. So I just want, do you guys think Phil and I are a little bit different? You know, five foot, I almost said I'm six foot three. Five foot three, six foot four. You know, God made me to be five foot three. He made Phil to be five foot four and, or six But you know, as Phil is living his life, as he's walking out his life, Phil, I want you just to, to take some steps there and then just kind of stop in the middle of one of your strides. Okay. Why don't you do it again? <laughs> Start over. There you go. Okay. So Phil's walking through life, his six foot four life. And you know what happens when we try to 
compare and to look over our shoulder and we try to be like somebody else? Do you know how ridiculous it would look if I tried to walk in, in Phil's stride as a five foot three person? Do you know how ridiculous it would look if I tried to walk through life like Phil? But that's what we're doing. We're looking at somebody else's life and we're like, man, is that success? Is that, is that how I need to be? And we're comparing our life, our five foot three life with a six foot four life. We're comparing our financial situation with somebody else's financial situation. We're comparing our kids with somebody else's kids. And it looks ridiculous. And the more you try to compare yourself, the more you try to walk in somebody else's stride. If I tried to walk or run through life like this, I would look ridiculous. I would be exhausted and worn out because I'm trying to live something that I'm not. I think a lot of us are stuck in this comparison and we're comparing apples to oranges. And what we need to do is to begin to embrace the person that God has made us. What is your assignment? Thank you, Phil. Obrigado. That's Portuguese for thank you. I'm working on it. See, you can't be who God's called you to be if you're constantly comparing yourself to someone else. And I think a lot of us are trying to find an external win to satisfy an internal longing. We're trying to keep up with people. We're trying to walk like they walk. We're trying to look like they look. And if we're constantly comparing ourselves, we will never be who God has called us to be. And I want you guys to ask yourself a question. Who or what is going to define my worth? Who or what is going to define my worth? And if I can just get up in your business for just a minute. Some of you guys are living for a dad that's no longer here. You're trying to measure up to where he was at this point in his life. Some of you guys are living for a mom who's never going to give you what you're longing for. You're living for an ex-spouse. You're going, man, I'll show them. I'll show them. I'm going to be better than them. My kids are going to love me more than they love them. And they're not even paying attention. You're living for the future relationship that you think will give you meaning and fulfillment. What is your assignment? Who has God called you to be? Who or what is defining your worth? And the answer to this question is so important. Because if your answer is anything but Jesus, you are running a race that you will never, ever, ever, ever win. You are running a race that you will never win. And that's why I love Hebrews 12. Hebrews 12 says this, And let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. The race God has set before us, and we do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Listen, the first thing we need to do is you need to run your race. 
Run your race. Run your race. Run the race that God has set before you. Stay in your lane. Stop trying to look at somebody else and determine what is their race and how far ahead are they. Run your race. The fastest way to lose a race is to begin to look to the side or to look to this side or to look behind you. That's the fastest way to get off track of the race that you're running. But we do this so many times in life. Here's what I know about comparison. When we're running our race and we begin to compare, we begin to look to the left or to the right. Here, here's something that comparison does. It either makes you feel superior or it makes you feel inferior. And neither one of them honors God. See, comparison makes you feel superior. It makes you feel like, man, I'm doing pretty good. I'm better than them. Shoot, cheer them on then. Or it makes you feel inferior, like I'm not good enough. And when we begin to take our eyes off of Jesus, when we begin to forget about just running our race and we try to become someone else and run someone else's race, we get off track, we lose focus. Listen, be the best you. You do you. And I know that sounds cliche. I know that we hear that all the time. I know that we hear, be the best version of yourself. But can I tell you something? It is the best thing that you can do. Like the world is constantly challenging us to compare, to be a manufactured version of ourselves. when God created us to be an original design. Listen, you are the person that God created to be the mother in your family. Stop trying to be the manufactured mom that you see somewhere else and just be you. Your kids need you. Your husband needs you. Your family needs you. And the best version of you that you can bring, run your race. Run your race. It says in this verse, it says, let us run with endurance the race that God has set before us. And endurance, I looked up the definition of that, and it actually says this, the fact or power of enduring an un unpleasant or difficult process or situation without giving way. See, Jesus is, is saying, he's saying, run your race. Stay in your lane. Endure. Keep going. Don't give up. Don't look to the side. Don't wear yourself out by trying to be someone else. Run your race. And we do this by, it says, keeping your eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. See, what this is saying is you need to stay focused on Jesus, the author, the perfecter, of your faith, don't lose sight, don't get discouraged. You know, I was doing, I was thinking about this, I was reading about racehorses. You know, when racehorses are racing, they actually put these things on them called blinders. And those blinders are actually there so that the horses don't get distracted by the crowd and other things around them so that they can focus on their race. And I think it's exactly what we need to do in our life is some of us need to begin to put blinders on. And goes, man, I don't, I don't need to look at that, what that person's doing. I don't need to look at what that person's doing. I need to stay focused. I need to work my assignment. I need to run my race. I need to continue to push forward in the things that God has for me to stay in my lane. Philippians 4, 8 says this, fix your thoughts on what is true 
honorable, right, pure, lovely, admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Your assignment isn't your sister's assignment, your brother's assignment, your coworker's assignment. Guys, we have got to figure out how to be us. To not be so consumed with being better than someone else, faster than someone else, but to be the best version of who God created us to be. I think there's some of you guys out there today, and again, my goal today was not to give you step one, two, three, four, and how you overcome comparison, but for you to identify that as you're going through life, or as you're strolling through social media, as you're interacting with coworkers, or as you're in your job, and my goal is that when you would start to compare, when you would start to be like Peter and look over your shoulder and be like, what, what are they doing? Is that it would ring in your head, no, what's your assignment? What have I asked you to do? Who have I made you to be? And that you would remind yourself to run your race. You don't have to be anybody else. Just be you. God created you so uniquely and beautiful with a purpose and a plan. And if we can't learn to run our race, to work our assignment, to be who God's called us to be, there's a missing piece in our world. You know, the Bible talks about that in the body there's many parts. And each part has its role. And it talks about, if you're a hand, be a hand. If you're a foot, be a foot. If you're an eye, be an eye, because all of those things are needed. And some of you guys, you're a hand, but you've been trying to be a foot. And your family's going, I need my hand. Your husband's going, I need my hand. And it's time today for us to stop looking around and going, God, I surrender. I want to work my assignment. I want to run my race. God, help me to stay focused on you. So will you guys bow your heads and close your eyes this morning? Heavenly Father, we come before you today. And God, I pray for each person in this room. God, I know that it's so easy to look to the left or to the right or to define our worth and value by what we do and who we are. But God, I pray that you would show us those moments that we begin to compare ourselves with other people. And God, you would remind us of who you've created us to be. God, that we would let go of expectation we would let go of comparison, of the criticism that's been spoken over our life. God, as we go about this week, 
that it would consistently ring in our mind to run our race, to stay in our lane, to stay focused on you, the author and the perfecter of our faith, God, with the beautiful, incredible plan that you have for us. God, teach us to stay focused on you. And it's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you.